0: Open your Bibles, please, to a couple of places, if you would, starting with the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and if you'll also find 1 Peter chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Peter chapter 1. We've crossed over into December, and uh, we spent the whole last month in a series we called Thanks a Lot. Taking the whole month to just focus on thanksgiving and gratitude and not just limiting our thanksgiving to one day, the last Thursday in November but developing and cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And I've got some fresh direction for us for the month of December, but I don't want to disconnect from where we were over the last several weeks. The Lord wants to build upon what we started. So I want you to keep those things in mind as we jump into something new, a new direction for the month of December. Second Corinthians chapter nine and first Peter chapter one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15, we'll have this on the screen for you. He said, "Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift." Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now again, all last month we spent our time focused on being thankful. Now what we're going to add to it this month is what we are to be thankful for. Thanks be to God for what? His His gift? No. His indescribable gift. All this month, we are going to focus on God's indescribable gift. His indescribable gift. Now, when you start looking at this in other translations, you see some of these words. He talks about the unspeakable gift, an inexpressible gift. I like this one, a gift too wonderful for words a gift precious beyond words, a gift that words cannot describe, which when the Lord quickened this in me this week to focus on the indescribable gift and said, I want you to take every week this month and talk about this indescribable gift. At first, I got real excited about it, but the more I jumped into it, the more I realized it's unspeakable. (laughs) It's inexpressible. It's too wonderful for words. It's precious beyond words. Words can't describe it. And the Lord says, yeah, talk about that for a month. (laughs) So can you see we've got our work cut out for us, church? We got a challenge here. It's a faith challenge in front of us. How do we spend a month talking about something you can't talk about? How do we spend a month talking about something that is so good, that is so big, that is so wonderful, that it's indescribable, inexpressible, too precious, too wonderful for words, That means we must need the Holy Spirit all this month. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this indescribable gift. This gift that is indescribably good. This gift that is indescribably big. Did you catch that? Indescribably big. Now, I know people, especially around Christmas time, like this phrase. Uh, What is it? Good things come in small packages. You ever tried telling a kid that? You ever tried telling a, a, a four-year-old, no, 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 trust me, it's really good. But if you put two packages in front of them, and one is two inches by two inches, and the other is 50 feet by 50 feet, which one do you think they're going for? Oh, the small one, because good things come in small packages. Can't tell a kid that. They want the thing that is so big that you can't describe how big it is. That's what we're going to talk about this indescribably good gift, this indescribably big gift. You ever opened a gift around Christmas time and said, oh man, that is exactly what I needed. That's what this gift is. That's what this gift is. It is indescribably exactly what you needed. You ever opened up a gift and said, how'd you know that's exactly what I wanted? I didn't even tell anybody this is what I want. That's what this gift is. It is indescribably exactly what you need. It's what, it's everything you've wanted. It's everything you needed. And believe me, you need it. I need it. We need this gift. So Holy Ghost help us talk about this thing that can't be talked about, right? Go to first Peter chapter one. Did you find that? Let's look at something else that the scripture tells us is unspeakable, inexpressible. First Peter chapter one in verse seven, we're going to pick up mid thought here. He says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. Did you catch that? Your faith is more precious than gold. It's more valuable than gold. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice this, verse eight. Whom having not seen, you love. What's he saying? You haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. Is that your testimony this morning? There may be some among us, who have had open visions of the Lord. I know that's happened for certain people. Never happened for me. And I would dare say in a room this size, there's probably not many, if any at all, that have had that experience where your, your natural physical eyes are open to see into the realm of the spirit. And there's Jesus standing physically in front of you. It's not a common occurrence. And yet we love him. Anybody else? Is that your testimony? I hadn't seen him but a loving That's faith. Do you see the connection he's making here? Your faith is so much more precious than gold. What does faith have to do with? See, a lot of people mistakenly think that faith has to do with the unknown. Oh, you people of faith, you just believe in the unknown. No, faith is not about the unknown. It's about the unseen. Big difference. It's not about what you don't know. It's about simply what you can't see. And he's saying, when you have a faith that's so living, so vibrant, so strong on the inside of you, that even though you've never seen Jesus and still you love him, that's precious. That is precious to him. And he said, it's actually more precious than gold. Gold perishes. This faith, this is eternal stuff. Whom having not seen you love. Chapter one, verse eight, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him. Check this out. Yet believing you rejoice. Now we talked about that all last month. How the scripture says we are to be rejoicing. Come on. Who was here? Always, always. This is how we create in our lives, our families, our homes, and definitely in this church, how we create an atmosphere of joy. We do it through rejoicing and not just rejoicing once or twice, not just rejoicing when it looks good, feels good, or you're up for it, but rejoicing always, always. I think sometimes people come into church, especially this one, and, 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 and maybe they question. Maybe some of the songs that we do, or, or maybe, why didn't I hear that song last week? Or, or, or why don't I hear this song or that one that might be popular right now? And this isn't to be in judgment of anything else or anyone or anywhere else. But the Lord has mandated us, when I say us, I'm talking about Legacy Church, you and I and this family, to protect this atmosphere and don't let any sound in this place that doesn't have the sound of victory in it that doesn't have the sound of joy in it because joy is strength, right? And if there's anything you need on a Sunday, just before you cross that threshold into a Monday is some extra strength. Come on. You need some extra strength to carry you through the next few days. And the only place you're going to tap into strength like that is in joy, 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 joy and we create that atmosphere through constant rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. So we're very watchful over what we sing. We're watchful over what we say. We're watchful over what we preach because we're endeavoring to have an atmosphere that you can step into, maybe tired, worn out from the week, but you get filled up. We are your gas station and we will put some fuel in that tank and this is high octane stuff. I'll tell you right now flammable. Okay. Don't be smoking cigarettes around this. (laughs) Come on. We want you so full of strength, so full of joy that it carries you. And he's talking about that kind of joy here. He said, you don't see him and yet you believe this is what makes us who we are. This is what makes us different from the rest of this world." It's not that we believe in an unknown God. We just believe in an unseen God. We believe. He said, though you do not see him, yet you believe and notice what's connected to your believing. You rejoice. This is one of the big ways you know that you're actually in faith is when there's some joy about you. This is one of the ways you know that you are actually believing and not just going through some holy motions, not just saying some faith vocabulary words that you picked up along the way. But there's an actual, did you check this word? Genuine faith. The genuineness of your faith. How do we know our faith is real? Because if you can have a genuine faith, guess what else you can have? Fake, false, counterfeit. If you want a genuine faith, here's one of the tests is there joy in it? Is there joy in it? He said, believing you rejoice, but you don't just rejoice. You rejoice with what? A joy inexpressible, a joy. Other translations say unspeakable and full of glory. So this joy is connected to your believing, but look what else he goes on to say in verse nine. You rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory. Verse nine, receiving, receiving the end of your faith. Other translations say the outcome, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So there is this inexpressible, unspeakable joy and it's connected to two things. It's connected to your believing and it's connected to your receiving. Now the receiving thing we get, actually the receiving thing everybody gets. You don't even got to go to church to understand this. It's easy for people to connect joy with receiving. You receive a natural gift and there's joy over it. You get something you've wanted, you get something you've needed, you receive it, it's in your hand, you've got it, you hold it, you touch it and there's joy that comes with that. But you know what? That in itself, doesn't require a lot of faith. What actually separates you and I from the rest of this world is not just the joy that we show in our receiving, it's the joy that we show in our believing. Come on, this is what makes us different. Anybody can rejoice when they've got the gift, when they've got what they wanted. Can you rejoice while you're still believing? For the person of faith, that's you, that's me. That's this house. We are a household of faith. And in this house, does that sound like a mom or a dad? (laughs) In my house, right? Under this roof. Well, in this house, we have as much joy in our believing as we have in our receiving. Because this is what pleases the father. Without faith, it is what? Impossible. Impossible to please him. So there is joy in our believing. Now let me kind of focus in on something here for a second. And this I think will help us, especially those of us who are people of faith, word people, faith people, walking by faith, living by faith, faith in the morning, faith in the noontide, faith when the sun goes down. We have developed our own vocabulary. We've developed kind of our own way of talking that I think, other members of the household of faith kind of get and understand when we're talking. Maybe other people wouldn't understand it quite so much, but have you ever heard anybody say or talk along these lines? I'm believing for, I'm believing for healing. I'm believing for this bill to be paid, this need to be met. I'm believing for this. I've said it I'm, many of you. Would you raise your hand? You, you've said that you've heard that I'm believing for that. If you want to be technical about it, really, you are not believing for, you're believing in. You believe God, you believe His Word, you believe He is who He said He is. You believe every promise that He's made. This is what you believe. And because you believe, are you ready for this? It produces an expectation. So really what we're saying is I believe God, so I'm expecting healing. Are you with me? I believe His Word, so I'm expecting this bill paid. I believe God is who he said he is. I believe the promise that he made to me. So because I believe, I'm expecting. And so we kind of put all that into one statement. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. But I I really feel like it's important that you understand what you're saying. Because really what it is, what faith is, is belief, confidence, and trust in him that produces expectation. Let me use this word, hope. Hope as the Bible defines it, is not wishing. It's not wanting. It's not even a strong desire. The word hope in scripture literally means confident expectation, expecting. Where does that hope come come from? What did Hebrews say? Faith is the substance of things. You could say it like this. Faith is the foundation that produces an expectation. I believe God, I'm expecting healing. I believe that the stripes that Jesus took on his back were more than enough to purchase my complete healing. So therefore I am expecting healing. You believe, so you expect. Are you with me? I mean, it's like, it's like a a, a woman who's, pregnant and expecting a baby. Where did that expectation come from? She believed the test result. (laughs) She believed what the doctor said. She believes her own body and what her own body is telling her and what she believes is now producing an expectation. Now, sometimes there's a bit of denial (laughs) in the beginning, right? I can't believe this. I can't believe it. Well, believe it sister. (laughs) I mean, believe it. And guess what? If you believe that you are expecting, and what comes with expectation? Joy. Joy unspeakable. Joy inexpressible. So here's what I'm telling you: With this, this inexpressible what, what, what was the word indescribable, with this indescribable gift, comes an inexpressible joy. When you receive the indescribable gift, it brings with it an unspeakable joy. And that joy is not just in receiving, it's in what part as well? In believing. So go with me now, please, to the book of Colossians chapter one and get ready, get ready, get ready. Colossians chapter one. And this is gonna connect back to what we spent so much time talking about last month. If you remember, we talked about creating that atmosphere around us in our homes, in our church, that atmosphere of faith, that atmosphere of love. You've heard me say that over and over, especially these last several weeks and months. I want you to see where we got that. That's not just something we made up. That's here in scripture. And you're gonna see it in Colossians chapter one beginning in verse three, Paul is writing to this church and he said, we give thanks. So here's our Thanksgiving again. We give thanks to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. You ready? Praying always for you. Do you know there's just some people you want praying for you? There are just some people you think, you know what? If somebody's gonna pray for me, I want it to be that guy. I want it to be that lady. God hears him. God hears her. They get prayers answered. Put me on your list. There are just some people you want praying for you. I remember being a 10 or 12 year old kid going to visit my grandparents in Massachusetts where my dad was from. And I think I've shared this with you before, but there was one summer day we were up there and kind of a quiet afternoon. I was bored. I was roaming around the house looking for something to do and the room that I would sleep in had this big dresser in it and this desk kind of connected to it and, and these drawers. And I went rummaging through these drawers, trying to find anything, something to do to amuse myself pass the time. I didn't find anything to do in the desk, but I remember coming across this old kind of worn, tattered piece of paper and it caught my eye because on this piece of paper was just a list of names, maybe a dozen or more names and I'm looking and there's my name and there's my dad and my mom and my sister and my aunt. And I realized this is my grandmother's prayer list. She's pulling this piece of paper out day after day, year after year and working her way down this list, praying for people, praying for her family. And I remember even as a 10 or 12 year old kid thinking, I like that. Somebody's praying for me. And even then I couldn't possibly have understood what that meant to, to intercede like that or to stand in the gap for somebody. I just knew it touched my heart. Somebody's praying for me. And the spirit of God is writing through Paul, speaking through Paul to this church to let this entire church know somebody's praying for you. And if you were to make a short list of people you want praying for you, I think the apostle Paul should be somewhere on that list. He said, we're praying for you and not just praying, but praying always for you. Now look at what caused them to drop to their knees in prayer. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for all the saints. A lot of times we think the Lord moves on people to pray for somebody else when they're hurting, when bad things are going on. And that's definitely true. You know, you got to be sensitive to the leading of the spirit of God. He'll, he'll wake you up in the night to pray over somebody that's in desperate need because that's his open door into their lives. It's like when God can't get through to them, he can get to them if he can get through you. Does that make sense to you? So yeah, we got to be sensitive and ready to pray at a moment's notice but you realize it is not just people who are hurting that the spirit of God moves on others to pray for. It's not just people in need. There was something going on in this church that caused the spirit of God to move on Paul and others and literally bring them to their knees always, constantly for them. And it wasn't because there's something bad. It wasn't because there was a disaster or a tragedy. It wasn't even because there was a great need. You want to know what it was? They heard about their faith. They heard about their faith. These people in this church, this Colossian church, were notorious for their faith. He said, we heard about your faith in God. And it makes me want to just pray and thank God for you. But it wasn't just their faith. What else did he say? We heard about your faith in God and your love for each other. So when we talk to you in, in this church about having an atmosphere in here, full of faith, full of love, we ain't just making stuff up. This goes way back. We want the same thing going on in Legacy Church in 2023, 2024 and beyond that was going on in the book of Colossians way back when, cause we're part of the same church. And what was going on there? Faith, 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 faith. And Paul wasn't watching these services online. You realize that, right? He was not getting DVDs in the mail. He was not part of the Colossian partner club that sent out tapes and CDs and, and partner letters and so on. No, somebody had to travel to this church come back to wherever in the world Paul was at the time. And Paul said, what's going on there? And they said, oh, Paul, you gotta see it, man. You gotta see it. He said, what, what, what? Tell me. They said, faith, faith. You walk into that place and these people are so full of faith these people have put all their faith in God and have left idols and left the old way of life and that, that, that old false and fake religion. And they have completely yielded to Jesus. They've given their hearts to him. It's like walk into an atmosphere of faith. And Paul said, I love it. I love it. He said, what else? Tell me what else, what else is going on? Anything else? They said, oh yeah, love man. As much as they put faith in God. These people love each other. They said to him, you ought to see it. They are loving on each other. You can't keep these people from loving on each other. Every time they walk into the place, somebody's giving something to another one and blessing this one and blessing that one. And and they got gifts piled up for the kids and and so many wonderful things going on in the church. And they just loving and loving and loving on each other. Paul said, I love it. I love it. And more than Paul saying he loved it, the Spirit of God is saying, I love it. I love it faith in the place, love in the place. And if that's what we want in this house, in your house, in the world around you, then the next question should be, how? How did they create that kind of atmosphere? And you might think, well, if the atmosphere was so full of faith, then I guess somebody came along and really preached faith. And, and that I suppose would be true. I mean, to preach salvation in Jesus, you gotta preach faith, right? I guess maybe somebody came on, came along and preached a really powerful message on walking in love and, and maybe to an extent that's true. But if you will just keep reading in this verse, you're going to find out exactly what created that atmosphere in that church. And I think it's going to surprise you. He said, once again, we're praying for you all the time. Because we heard of your faith in Jesus, your love for all the saints. Verse five, put this up there for us. Because of the hope. What is hope? There you go. Come on, hear it. Let me hear it. It's what? Expectation, which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. That's a little wordy. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. Maybe we'll have this on the screen for you. He talked about their faith in Jesus, your love for God's people, verse 5 in the New Living Translation. Where Where does this faith and this love come from? They come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And he said, You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. You've had this expectation. You've put belief in Jesus, faith in God, and now you've got an expectation. And what is the expectation of? Heaven. Heaven. So in a verse, we get almost the, the entire history of the foundation of this church, how it got off to the start that it got off to. Somebody came and preached Jesus to these people. Scriptures tell us it was Epaphras. Came and preached Jesus to these people and and this church was built and founded on this preaching. And not only did they hear it, they believed it. They put some faith in it. And next thing you know, that place and those people are so full of the love of God. And now we even know what was preached. It was the gospel. That shouldn't be a big shock to any of us, should it? What do you preach to an unbeliever? The gospel. What do you preach to somebody who doesn't know God, who's, who's foreign to the things of God? You preach the gospel, the good news. That's what was preached to these people But one of the things, and this is evident from this scripture, that was so embedded in this message of the gospel. Yes, he preached Jesus. Yes, he preached Jesus crucified, buried, and risen again. Yes, he preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But embedded in the fabric of this gospel message was heaven. Heaven. And what the Spirit of God is saying through Paul is, what you heard about heaven has resulted in your faith here and now. It has produced a love in this body here and now. That almost doesn't make sense to us. He's telling them about what's to come, about what's way out in the future, about what they can expect. And what he's saying is your expectation of what's yet to come can actually impact the way you live in right now. Every day you waking up with this expectation. There is power in looking forward to something. You experienced that before? Is there anybody right now in December of 23 who has vacation on the books for summer of 2024? Anybody yet? A friend of mine texted me yesterday. I see one right there. A friend said yes, right here, right out there. So what are you doing right now? expecting. Expecting, looking forward to it, right? And there's power in that. There is so much power in expecting what's yet to come that it can change your mood here and now today. I know our little girl, Jessie, when she was just in kindergarten back in Texas, She woke up one morning, just a little bit on the cranky side. You've never done that, but, but she did that morning. And uh, she's slow to get ready and kind of slow to get a move on, get ready for school. And so I remember telling her, Jesse, Jesse, don't, don't forget your birthday party at school with your friends is in 11 days. Now to be technically accurate here, it was not her birthday party. It was her half birthday. Her kindergarten teacher took all the kids whose birthdays were in the summertime and found their six month birthday so that they could celebrate with their friends in school, in class. And so her birthday's in August. And I think, I don't know, it was sometime six months before that, that Jesse's half birthday was in 11 days. And just telling her your half birthday party is 11 days from now, put a smile on her face and a spring in her step totally changed the atmosphere of the house. She's looking forward to it. Got something to look forward to. Church, do we have anything to look forward to? Do we have something so indescribable, so inexpressible, so precious and valuable beyond words in heaven? that we can look forward to it and it actually impacts our life of faith right now. The way we love each other right now. Listen to it again. He said, you've had this, this hope, this confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And you've had this expectation ever since you heard the gospel. So when they preached the gospel to these people, somebody said something about heaven and they took whatever they knew which if you're honest and you search and scour the scriptures looking for heaven, there's not a whole lot, but there's enough. There's enough to give you and I something to look forward to and to stir up such an expectation, such an excitement about where we're headed and about what's in our future. It's something we don't realize that we need to get in our hearts in a big way. Heaven is as much, if not more so, the plan of God for our lives than anything we do here on earth. I mean, just think about it in terms of time spent. You're going to spend a lifetime on earth pursuing, doing, hopefully, the plan of God for you. Which, if you come to discover it, even at an early age, it's 18, 20 years old, and you, you give every moment of the rest of your life from 20 years old until you go to be with the Lord, is given in pursuit of His plan and His purpose for your life. What do you spend? Uh, at, at best, what's another 70, 75 years, 80 years? Right? That's a good long time. What about what you do for 10,000 years? What about, what about what you and I do for the next 250,000 years? Because that's what's in front of us. Sort of makes this 50, 60, 70 year thing sort of, I mean, it's not to say it's not important because it is, but what I'm trying to get across to you is how big heaven is and what a part of the plan of God it is for your life. Heaven, heaven why aren't we talking more about this? The Lord dealt with me about this years ago and I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say I still haven't done fully what i felt like he told me to do. He, he told me years ago, Jeremy, heaven is real and you're not talking enough about it, which made me ask, okay, why? Why would we not talk about it? And I think there's a couple of reasons, two obvious ones that stand out to me personally. One of the big reasons we don't talk a lot about it, or I'll say it like this. One of the big reasons I don't talk a lot about it. I've never been there. I haven't been there. And what I've discovered is most people that have been there don't come back. And we have a handful that have and have given testimony, but by and large, most of the people that go stay. So there's not many among us that can say, oh yeah, I've been there. It's nice. Great place. So we don't talk about it. Maybe for one reason, we don't have a lot of personal experience with it, but I'll tell you one of the big reasons I discovered that I wasn't talking about it. You know this about me. I grew up in a ministry house, a pastor's kid, preacher's grandkid. And when you kind of grow up in that environment and when church is your life multiple days a week, You end up at a lot of weddings and you end up at a lot of funerals and I can't remember if this is something specifically that happened or just kind of a general impression that I got as a kid, but in my mind, this goes back to, I don't know, eight or 10 years old or something like that. Being at a funeral with that casket there at the altar area and a family member standing on the platform and eulogizing and, and remembering and saying all the good things about this person. And it seems to me that perhaps this was a funeral for an elderly person who lived out their full life. And like we've heard about so many people in that stage of life, you hear this often, they just kept talking about heaven. I've heard that said before. They just kept talking about heaven for those last few days, those last few weeks of their lives. They were just so hungry for heaven, kept talking about it and talking about it and talking about heaven. Now, if you're eight years old, sitting in a service where there's a lifeless body there and they'd say, this person just kept talking about heaven. What do you hear? Whatever you do, don't talk about heaven. Whatever you do, don't say anything about heaven. Why? Because you will go there. (laughs) Like now. And I think somewhere that kind of got subconsciously on the inside of me that if you're talking about it, there was almost this fear connected with it. Well, I don't want to go yet. I don't want to go now. I'm going to tell you something. Talking about heaven, if you've been afraid, that's not what's going to send you there. actually talking about heaven has the ability to bring heaven here. So if there's been a fear associated with death, which is the root of all fear, we can just go ahead and get rid of that right now. Because what you and I have to look forward to is nothing to be afraid of, but it is something that can stir such a joy that it's hard to express. So I thought what I'd do with the next few minutes that we have is I'd take you to the book of Revelation and we're just going to talk about heaven. And this thought occurred to me this morning. You know, a lot of cities, especially bigger ones, in advertising to try to get people there, either people to come and visit, or people to come and stay and move there. In their marketing, in their advertising, if you listen closely to it, they'll tell you usually two things, what they have and what they don't have. And those two things are really enough to not just describe a place, but define a place. Come here because we have the beach. (laughs) We've got sunshine, right? Come here because we've got the mountains. We've got snow. We've got outdoor activity. I remember the first trip Sarah and I made to Colorado Springs when we were checking out buildings and places for the church and praying. We were touring one building with a a couple of men, one who ended up being a part of our church. And we were looking at a building. And I think he was either from Texas or spent a lot of time there where we were from. And he said to me, Jeremy, you know, we don't have any mosquitoes here. (laughs) Which If you're talking to a Texan, that's all the marketing you need. That's all the advertising you need. He didn't even tell me what they do have. He just said, here's what we don't have. Mosquitoes. And if you don't know what those are, if you don't know what Texas mosquitoes are, Texas mosquitoes will carry away small children. (laughs) These things are so serious and they're everywhere and I hate them with everything on the inside of me. I don't know what it is. They're drawn to me. I guess I'm just sweet like that. But as soon as he said, you know, Jeremy, we don't have mosquitoes here. I'm like, I'm sold. When can we get here? And then he said, you know what we do have is 300 days of sunshine. This man is literally selling me. Now I'm telling, we, we came because God told us to, but this, this advertising that he gave for this place, no mosquitoes and 300 days of sunshine. Where do I sign? This sounds great. See, these cities use these things, what we have, what we don't have in an effort to draw you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my pastor hat off just for a second. I'm going to put my travel agent hat on and I'm going to tell you about a place called heaven. And I just picture us standing in the lobby of that cheap hotel that so many of us stayed out on vacation. You remember in the lobby there, they had that. Uh, that rack of all those brochures. Here's all the things you can see and do. And they say, well, there's SeaWorld and Disney and Universal and all these different places. Well, here we are, you and I, you ready? Yeah. We're standing at that, that rack where all those brochures trying to get you to this place and that place. And I want to give you this brochure on heaven. I want, I want to tell you what's there. I want to tell you what's not there. And then I want to invite you. And like I said, you may not find a ton in the scriptures about it, but there's enough. There's enough to give you something to look forward to. So Revelation chapter 21, and you can just listen to these verses if you want. We'll have them on the screen. Revelation chapter 21. This is heaven's travel brochure. Are you ready? John said, I heard a loud voice from heaven. It's important to know where this voice is coming from saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and he begins to describe your future. Here's what you have to look forward to. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. He's inviting us and I'm inviting you. Let me tell you about heaven. Let me tell you what they don't have. There is no death. Now we can't even hardly imagine a place with no death. Because here, everything dies. It's a part of that cycle. Everything has a beginning. Everything has a middle. Everything has an end. Everything dies. And it's hard for us to imagine a place with no death, no death. And I want you to notice here in heaven's travel brochure what's connected to no death, no sorrow no crying, no pain. See, all of these things connect back to death, but what's in our future, what's in our future and what we have to look forward to right now and what will create an atmosphere of faith and love in this house and in your house is this expectation of no more death. No more. And if there's no more death, There's no more sorrow connected to it. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. Glory to God. No more. Somebody say no more. Remember I told you a few weeks ago, we got this new puppy. Did I tell you about that? Uh Little Gus. What I didn't tell you was, you remember a few weeks before that, not long ago, maybe a month or so ago, I was telling you about Gunner who likes to follow Sarah. That was our golden doodle who followed Sarah around the house. Four years old. That rascal up and passed away. And it was a complication from some surgery he had had earlier this year, but it was sudden we weren't expecting it. I'm gonna tell you something. That was a rotten day. He wasn't, he all of a sudden started not feeling good. We got him to the vet and by noon she was calling us and explained the whole thing. And Without getting into all of it, we just we had to go get the kids out of school and go say bye to him. That wasn't cool. This is just a dog, I know, but he's part of the family. And every one of us cried a good cry over that. No more of that. No more of that. That's a puppy, but how much more does it affect your heart? When it's a loved one of the human kind, <laughs> I know when Sarah's mom passed away a couple of years ago. To this day, we just miss her, miss her, miss her, miss her. Such a huge part of our lives, our children's lives, and that's dumb. You know it. But the Lord ministered to our family so much, gave Sarah such a strong word, rejoiced with those who rejoice. And without getting into all this, this is just my personal theory here, you know, the scripture says a, a year, or excuse me, a thousand years is as a day with the Lord. And if you do all the math, if a thousand of our years is like a day with him, then a hundred of our years is ba- how do I say this, is like two hours with him, two and a half hours. You work that all the way down and Sarah's mom's been gone now a little over two years. I was doing the math and it's possible, Sarah, that mom has been there about three and a half minutes. And I've heard people's testimony, actually those who have gone and came back, that when they saw loved ones, their loved ones said to them, you're here already. See, time is so different. Time is so different, but the big thing is what's not there. There's no death. There's no sorrow that comes from death. There's no more crying, no more dying. I like this one. No more pain, no more pain. Anybody hear that? No more pain, no more pain not in your back, not anywhere in your body. I mean, you can do leg day in the gym and the next two days be fine. No more pain. Somebody say no more pain. This is one of the big things in the heaven travel brochure. What's not there? No death, no crying, no sorrow, no more pain. And the new living translation says, because all these things are gone forever glory to God. Gone forever. Thank you, Lord. He said, he said, he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And then he goes on in this chapter. I'm gonna try to read through this quickly. I'm kind of taking a lot of time here. Surprise, right? Uh, verse chapter 21, verse eight, verse nine. (laughs) says one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked to me saying, come, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the great city, the Holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a Jasper stone, clear as crystal. This is the brochure. Also, she had a great And high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates, and the names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three great gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lambs. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs its length its breadth, its height, they're equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of an angel." The construction of its wall was jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second sass- sapphire. The third, this one, ca- 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 Yes, it's beautiful, beautiful. The the fourth <laughs> emerald. The fifth uh, sardanox. Yes, gorgeous. The sixth sardius. The seventh chrysolite. The eighth barrel. The ninth topaz. The ten praise the Lord, 11th Jason, and the 12th Amethyst, this is all in the brochure. Can you just see us stand there? Look at that brochure. I can just see some of you wives telling your husbands, I want to go here. This sounds gorgeous. I want to see these emeralds and these stones and these jewels. Wow. When can we go? Well, not yet. Hold on. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is the light. This is what this place has. No sun, no moon. Why? Because the Lamb. The Lamb is the light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. You know what this place doesn't have? Nighttime. No darkness in it, glory to God, because the Lamb is the light. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall be, listen, no means enter it, anything, anything, that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. One translation says nothing evil will be able to get in. You know what they don't have? Any evil thing in it. See, that's hard for us to even comprehend because this world we live in has a bunch of evil stuff in it has got a bunch of darkness in it. But he said, not even a lie will be able to get in there. Come to heaven. Why ain't no lie in there. Nothing fake, nothing false, Mm. Mm. only what's real. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now the brochure goes on to the next chapter and he says in verse one of chapter 22, he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and the lamb of God in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. Ooh, I want to see this tree, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. Why do we talk so much about serving in this church? Huh? Because it's still the atmosphere of heaven. This, these are not works of the flesh. This is the atmosphere of heaven what you service team members are doing here on earth, when you stand at the parking lot and welcome people in and you're at the front door welcoming everybody and you're serving in the children's ministry, you're on our music team or our ushers, our altar care workers, all of this stuff, guess what? You'll be ready for heaven. Cause this stuff's going on there. His servants are still serving him there. So if you got an issue with serving here, you may want to get that worked out before <laughs> you get there. Verse four, they will see his face. Oh, glory to God. They will see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. So what's there? What's there and what makes heaven heaven is the unfiltered, unhindered, unadulterated, pure presence of God. That's what makes heaven heaven. The gold streets are wonderful, all the jewels that some of you can pronounce, some of you can't. <laughs> Those are beautiful and wonderful. What makes it heaven is He's there. He's there, His presence. And David said, in your presence is what? Full. Fullness of, joy. we might say joy, unspeakable, joy, inexpressible. And at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Family, this is in your future. This is what you and I have to look forward to. Even more than our half birthday, even more than vacation next year, we've got heaven to look forward to. What's there is pure light. What's there is pure life. Glory to God. What's not there because this defines this place as much as what's there. What's not there? No more death. No more curse. No more crying. No more sorrow. He's going to wipe away every tear. No more pain. Glory to God. Those things will be gone forever. Forever. Hallelujah. Forever. This is what's in our future. This is what we have to look forward to. We need to be talking about it more. Yes. We need to be expecting it, yes. don't we? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So stay on your feet with me as we wrap this up. Musicians, you guys go ahead. If you look at the back of your brochure, <laughs> now that I've told you everything about it and what's there and what's not there, I can hear your next question. How do we get there? What are the directions? And if you look on the back of those brochures and the little travel guides, there's always a map, right? There's always uh, a way to get there. Well, in the book of John chapter 14, Jesus had just told his disciples, I'm leaving. And man, they didn't like that. They start sorrowing. They're upset. What? Oh, don't leave, don't leave. We don't want you to go. So he said to him in John 14, hey, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe, you believe. And if you really believe, then what are you going to be doing? Rejoicing. They're not rejoicing. They're sorrowing. Hey, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So this is what he said to him to help them not sorrow here and now. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions and I'm going right now to get yours ready. Now, how in the world does this fix them sorrowing right now? Because he's given them something to look forward to. A hope and an expectation of heaven. But then he added this. He said, you know where it is. You know how to get there. And, and one of the disciples said, we don't know. We don't know where you're going. We don't know why you're going. Tell us how to get there. He said, you know how to get there. You remember what he told him? I am the way. These are the directions. What are the directions? The directions to heaven do not include... What you want to do here is leave the earth's atmosphere head out to the edge of the Milky Way, hang a left at the second star, straight on till morning. That's that's Neverland. We're not going there. In instructions, directions to heaven are simple. Jesus. I am the way. I am the way. And it just so happens that the way is this indescribable gift. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you, and remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.